G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Pick up your mat and walk. Great story, but I have a few questions. Question number one is this. Why doesn't Jesus heal everybody at the pool? In fact, you go through the whole New Testament, which is what I've spent most of my life doing, trying to gather this information. People with little to even no faith got healed because they came into contact with Jesus and out of his own mercy, had nothing to do with him. He just healed them. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Hi, my name is Bill, and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. And in this episode, we're continuing with the Broke series, helping us find hope when we're broke, whether that be physically, financially, spiritually, or some other way. Today, Pastor Jeff's message is In Need of Repair. In John chapter 5, we read of Jesus and a man at the healing pool. Before he healed the man who had suffered for 38 years, Jesus made sure the man was ready and willing to be healed, to have his life changed. Let's join Pastor Jeff as he opens up the deeper meaning in this chapter, John chapter 5. reality is that many of you might have come in here, or actually probably did, with your car. You drove into the parking lot this morning. But in reality, there's probably a lot of you, even though we didn't see it, somewhere inside, you felt like this woman. There's a lot of healing that needs to take place in your life. And if somehow we could capture Jesus again in that physical, in the sense that where it's tangible, he's tangible, that you'd find yourself kind of crawling up to him and asking desperately to be healed. That's why I want you to turn over to John chapter 5 today. John chapter 5. And we're in a series called Broke. And as you're turning there, I want you just to listen. Uh, Obviously, I want you to listen to the whole sermon. But just now, more than ever, if I can just build this and we can do it together so they can speak volumes to wherever we are today in our journey with God. Most of you know I spent most of my life as an apologist. That's someone who defends the gospel often in hostile uh, settings. Most of my life in New Zealand, traveling through Australia, at universities, or whether in a cafe, just seated across from some gentleman or some lady at a table, the questions have come at me for most of my life. Jeff, how on earth can you possibly believe in God when there's so much evil in the world? Or Jeff, how can you say that God is good, loving, kind, and gracious when there's all this pain and suffering in the world? Jeff, what kind of of faith has as its central uh, part a cross filled with blood and guts and gore. What kind of father would do that to a son? That's what the Bible says, isn't it? And what kind of a good, loving, merciful God would send anybody to a place called hell to be tormented for all of eternity? Those are the kinds of questions I've faced on the firing line most of my life. And I believe although they sound really, really difficult in the beginning, if you open up or have people open up within their own assumptions as they ask those questions, I believe the Bible answers them. 
in a not only a biblical way, but in a philosophical way that really brings a lot of truth into difficult issues. You know that I've spent my life doing that. I've recorded those answers in a book called Dinner with the Skeptics that we do have in our bookstore, but this is not a commercial for the book. The reason I bring that up is even though I've spent years writing that, the reality is there are many more questions for which I still don't have an answer. But perhaps the most intriguing one is why I meet in churches like this so many people who are broken, who are shattered in a million pieces, and like Humpty Dumpty, they desperately need somebody to put them back together again. And the reason that's interesting to me is because we serve a God named Jesus whose forte is putting people back together again, picking up the broken pieces of life and bringing restoration. I mean, that's what he does best. I mean, any walk through the Gospels, that's who you find. You find a Jesus who makes the the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear, and he tells the paralytic to pick up your bed and walk. I remember the first time I saw Frank Zeffirelli's Jesus of Nazareth. Remember that? CBS used to show that every year at Easter. And there they would have Jesus on the big screen in color. And he would be healing people. And I saw that as a child. I look forward to it every year. Wow, Jesus is awesome, man. There's nothing he can't do. But then I got older. And that Jesus didn't seem to harmonize well with the Jesus I knew. Where was Jesus when I was praying For Joyce Yuta, there in Zimbabwe, in Africa, she's dying of cancer. And I watch her body deteriorate over a series of days and weeks and months. And I pray the hardest I can, she still dies. What about, where's the Jesus that that Frank Zeffirelli shows us in living color and in the Bible? When I'm praying that God would stop my mother from dying. That that I'm even at her funeral and she's so young and they're lowering the casket into the ground and I'm there under the tent on this cloudy, rainy day and I say, God, Jesus, I've read John 11. I know you're able. Would you, even now you could raise my mother and all these people in the tent might believe. Even now you could do it. That's the Jesus I've seen and read about. And she died. Now I've been on the other side too. You need to know that. It is not the rule, it is the exception, but I've seen the other side I've prayed for a mother who had cancer. The doctors gave her no hope. No way she's going to get better. She's got six months to live. We all started praying for her religiously. We prayed for her. And all of a sudden she goes to the doctor and the doctor says, I can't, I can't understand it. It's gone. It's not there. He's mesmerized. He's not a believer. He's dumbfounded, speechless. She was healed. She's still alive. I remember mothers coming to me and had Little children say, the doctor says, my little boy's not going to walk or talk and he's not going to live a normal life. He's not going to maybe survive very long. Yet we prayed. Yeah, it is the exception, not the rule, but I've seen it. All of a sudden the boy starts to talk and to walk and to not only survive, but thrive. I saw a little boy that you see in this photo by the name of Oliver Jenkinson. His mother came to me once and said, Jeff, this was in New Zealand not too long ago. The doctor said, Oliver will never walk and talk and play and live a normal life or probably won't survive more than six months or a year. She said, would you please pray? We all got together. We prayed as hard as we could. We prayed and we prayed. And then over time, it wasn't miraculous. It wasn't instantaneously. But over time, we noticed Oliver was walking. Then he started talking. Then he started playing with the other kids. And then he started not only surviving, but thriving. 
And I told Amanda, his mother, I said, you know, you need to bring that little boy every weekend to this church and let him walk up and down these halls, even if he doesn't attend the service. I don't care. Just let him be here as a, as a graphic reminder of what God is able and willing to do when we pray. I need to see that to keep my faith in check. That's the Jesus. And that's why I take you to John chapter 5. Because every time I saw Oliver after that, come on, you'd do the same. You and I did. Boy, if I could find a secret formula. What, was the, what did we do right that God answered our prayer? I mean, is it that we prayed really hard? Okay, I'll do it. Is it or maybe I just need to remove all the sin from my life. Well, good luck with that one, right? Or maybe I just don't have enough faith. And then I came across John 5. It was a few years ago. It just changed my life. The, it changed my view of God. It changed my hope for myself and for all of you. Here's the story. It's just an event in the life of Jesus, one of many. Sometime later, John 5, verse 1, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Great story, but I have a few questions. Question number one is this. Why doesn't Jesus heal everybody at the pool? It says in verse three, here a great number. Mega, mega church, mega faith, mega mall. This is mega people, lots of them. Injured, paralyzed, born blind, who've never seen their mother or their father, brothers or sisters, filled with sores and disease and pain not having the strength to be able to attend the temple, to hear the prophets and to be encouraged by their words. And yet Jesus only chooses one. Why? There are many others. Is it because Jesus didn't know the others were ill? Well, that doesn't seem to fly. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows all the ones that are ill and sick. Is it that Jesus didn't have a lot of compassion? But John, the historian, the one that writes this passage, also tells us that nobody loved like Jesus loved. So what is it? Maybe the TV preachers are right. Maybe it's because they don't have enough faith. Maybe he's the only one that had enough faith. That's what they tell us. They say, if you believe enough, you can be healed. You can expect a miracle. But hold on a second. John chapter 8, what's the problem? It seems that first of all, life by this pool has become a way of life for this guy. Look at verse 5 or verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned he had been in this condition for a long time, how long? 38 years he's been at this pool every single day. He's probably learned to make a living here by begging. It's his home away from home. Maybe it's his home, period. And, but notice, Jesus comes into the pool, into the colonnade. He doesn't approach Jesus and ask for healing. No. Usually when you read of healing in the Bible, somebody does whatever it takes to reach Jesus and maybe just touch the, the, the heel of his garment. But not this guy. It's Jesus who initiates the conversation, and this is what he says. 
When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? How many of you have ever asked a dumb question? (laughs) Come on, I do it regularly. Every time I read that, it makes me think of Ken Davis who said he was on an airplane once. He was seated on his newspaper and the guy next to him that he didn't know asked him, sir, are you reading that newspaper? (laughs) Ken Davis, Ken Davis said in only the way Ken Davis could, he said, I stood up, turned the page, sat back down and said, yes, I am. (laughs) At first glance, when I read this, it makes me want to scratch my head and say, oh no, no, I don't want to be healed. Jesus. I just want to be sick for the rest of my life. I enjoy these sores. I love the skin I'm in. (laughs) That's what it appears. But in reality, you start to think, and we can't cover the rest of the story. You can read it on your own time, which means don't do it now. (laughs) If Jesus heals this guy, his life's going to change. He's actually going to have to get a job now and work for a living. He's going to have new challenges that he never had before. Think about it. He's going to probably have a sibling rivalry. His brothers and sisters now are going to compete. He's probably going to meet a girl and get married. And he's going to have a (laughs) mother-in-law, which is the biggest challenge known to man. His life will change. Maybe he's to the point where he's thinking, man, my life stinks, but at least I'm used to it. I've gotten used to it. I've grown comfortable. I've given up on healing ever occurring 38 years. Now he doesn't even realize what he's missing. So his response then is more of an excuse than anything else. Verse seven, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now, let me give you a little background. Here's the legend. Superstition, there is a a spring here, kind of an artesian well. The legend was that when the waters are stirred, it was an angel of God stirring the waters, and the first one in gets healed. Now, Jesus, I'm sure, probably just thought, you know, this is so ridiculous. What what people will do? So he just looks at him and said, look, do you want to get healed? Is that what you really want? And the man never answers him. He doesn't say, boy, would I? Yeah, my whole life. Yeah, Jesus, he just makes an excuse for why he hasn't been and why he's never gotten in the water first. Now, folks, listen, just a little pause here. These are not five beta kappa excuses. 38 years, guys. Wouldn't you think at one point or another in 38 years, he'd be like the other paralytic in the Bible who got four of his friends to march him up on top of a roof and lower him down so he could be with Jesus. Wouldn't you think he'd go and get four buddies and say, all right, guys, when the water's stirred, dump me in there. 38 years, I mean, you'd think, he'd think of a plan. Or with all this money he's made by begging, save some of it up and bribe about four guys. I'll give you the money if you'll do this. Somewhere along the line, he got used to living that way. Or maybe just persist like the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, who basically refused to leave Jesus until Jesus healed her daughter. I'm not going anywhere. Surely after 38 years, he would say, hey, you rookies, get away from the pool. I've been here 38 years. I'm a veteran. I go in first. Anything. Hey, there's something else, by the way. By the time, by the time that this happens in Jesus' ministry, man, he's electrifying the whole countryside. People are following him. He can't go anywhere. I guarantee when Jesus came into this pool, people are behind him. They're all over him, seeking to be healed. My goodness, guys are being lowered through roofs, and even Romans are asking Jesus to heal them or their servants. Not this guy. He doesn't seek Jesus out, doesn't even ask to be healed. He even gives excuses why he's not. And here's the thing. Jeff, where are you going with it? He got healed. The guy gets healed. Do you know why? Because there's no formula. People approach Jesus with different amounts of faith. They got healed. 
There's no certain measure of faith required. I'm not saying that Jesus wasn't impressed with great faith. He was. He was encouraged by it and inspired by it. But people with imperfect faith still got healed. In fact, you go through the whole New Testament, which is what I've spent most of my life doing, trying to gather this information. People with little to even no faith got healed because they came into contact with Jesus and out of his own mercy, had nothing to do with him. He just healed them. Examples, Matthew chapter 8. A guy comes to Jesus, doesn't have a lot of faith in Jesus' compassion, knows maybe that Jesus has some strange ability, but he says to him in Matthew 8, verse 2, if you are willing, you can make me clean. In other words, Jesus, I believe you can. I'm just not sure you want to. And Jesus said, okay, fair enough. I want to. Lepers healed. Over in Mark chapter 9, the father of a tormented son brings his son to Jesus, does not exactly exhibit great faith. Here's what he says in verse 22 of Mark 9. If you can do anything, well, that's not a good way to start. Take pity on us. If it's true, take pity on us and help us. If you can, Jesus said, I love it. We just can't see sarcasm in the Greek. Because Jesus says, what do, you, who you, what do you mean? What's this if I can business? If I can. He says, everything's possible for him who believes. Now, it does take some manner of belief to get to Jesus. That's why Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. It's not a comment on the measure. It's a comment on somewhat of faith will get you to go to Jesus. Some measure of belief will get you to go to him. This guy had some measure, but it wasn't great. He says, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. In other words, I have belief. That's why I'm here. It's just really shallow and weak, and it's associated with a lot of doubt. But help me. I think Jesus just smiled and said, okay, fine. And he healed his son. Luke chapter 7, my favorite New Testament story centurion, Roman guy, a Roman dude comes to Jesus. I mean, it's amazing. He makes his way through the streets of Capernaum and he says to Jesus, Jesus, my son or servant, we don't know which one because the word's hard to interpret, either his son or servant is over there away from us and he needs to be made well. He's sick and I really love him. Jesus says, okay, let's go. He says, no, don't need to. You just say the word. You don't even have to be there. Just speak. He'll be healed. It's, you know, I think it's the only place in the Bible, well, there's two, pla uh, two places in the Bible where it says Jesus was astonished. How do you get surprised if you're the son of God? <laughs> That's another sermon completely. He turns over to the disciples and he says, guys, I've got to tell you something. I have not seen faith like this even among Israel. My own people don't believe in me like this Roman dude does. That's really cool. I love it. And his servant was healed that very hour. What's your point, Jeff? The healings. Come, even though there are varying amounts of faith, different measures from doubting compassion to doubting willingness, from doubting ability to almost no faith at all. And by the way, while we're on job, this, this guy in John chapter five, what a character. I can't go through it, but in the end, he actually turns Jesus in to get in trouble. Well, thanks for nothing. But when Jesus heals somebody, he does usually make some kind of comment or like he said to the Canaanite woman, great is your faith. He said to the Roman centurion, not great faith like this have I seen among Israel. This guy, he doesn't even get commented on his faith. It, Jesus doesn't say anything about it because it had nothing to do with it. Jesus came upon him, had compassion and healed him. Point blank, that's it. Okay, okay, Jeff, what's your point? When Jesus heals, it's not because somebody had a high degree of certainty or faith. There seems to be another criterion. What is the criterion? Jesus. Jesus and Jesus alone decides. 
which is why instead of trying to figure out the formula, it's like a thunderbolt coming down out of the sky. It's like God said, look, Jeff, stop trying to figure me out. I'm a little bit complex. (laughs) Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. That's your job and never stop because the healing may come. And I'm given parable after parable in the Bible. That's difficult to understand because it appears that God is trying to communicate to me, persist, never give up. Even if you don't get what you're at, persist, persist, don't give up. And may it never be said of us what James said, you don't have because you didn't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. That there is power in coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, heal me. I want to be healed. I'm broken. I'm destroyed. Put the pieces back together again. You say, Jeff, I thought we were in a financial series. This is a nice refresher. (laughs) We are. But here's the reality. I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm concerned that we may not realize that you and I have been given more than we need. We've been blessed. Yeah, I'm concerned that we may not understand to whom much is given, much is required. Yeah, I am concerned that we will not realize God's imperative that we be rich in good deeds. But listen, I'm your pastor. I love you. And broke describes a lot more about us than our finances, does it not? But here's the deal. God sends revival. I can tell you, I'm having the time of my life. I'm like a kid in a candy store right now. God is doing something special and I see 620 people go public with their faith. I see almost 100 come to Christ for the first time. I see the look in your eyes that your eyes are open in a way they haven't been since I got here. I see that you're listening. I see that God is communicating that everything belongs to him. Your very heart and soul, your your physical, everything is his. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. But I know as your pastor that it's a bit much for a lot of us to take in. It's happening so fast. You know why? And we really want to do the right thing when we hear sermons. And when we have difficulty, we come to that point and it seems like it's short-circuited. You need to know why. Because you're broken and you need fixed or repaired. I've seen it a thousand times in my ministry. God speaks to us directly, clearly in a message we know. And we get this overwhelming sense. We want to obey. We want to give you everything, God. It's hard because we're broken inside. We got to be fixed we got to be put back together again or we'll never go past this mediocre life. Look at the board. Look at it. We wrote that first week. We wrote how God has blessed us with more than we need. And then we came back the next week and we wrote what we're willing to sacrifice in order that the kingdom of God may advance in the world. I told you I wasn't going to read them, but I got weak. And I found it very interesting. One woman wrote this. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give up my husband's cable. (laughs) that's not quite what I had in mind (laughs) those steps are hard to take but I want you to know when you hear truths that we're hearing when God decides to communicate to us in a very special way oftentimes that truth does not penetrate deep in our soul to the point of action because we're broken we need repaired and as much as we want to do the good the intentions are good the motivations are pure I want you to never forget what I'm about to say. As long as you know me, remember this. Satan is real. He knows where to get you. And the right point that you get to where you're going to put that into your life 
and you're going to go another level, you're going to cross over, he sucker punches you. He hits you right in that area that he knows you're weak. He's ready. As soon as you say, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to change. Boom, it comes from the back. You don't even see it coming because he knows if he just hammers you there in the place you haven't been healed, in the place you haven't given to God, that mother you've never forgiven, that father who abused you, you keep trying to earn his approval, he's never going to give it. That husband that betrayed you, that illness that's physical, that thing in your life you're addicted to, he just keeps hammering it. Every time he says, you think you're going to make changes. No, you're not, because I'm going to destroy you right here and there. Let me tell you, you can't fix yourself. There's only one answer for you, the grace of God and Jesus healing you. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff. Now, folks, I don't judge you, so don't judge me. Some of you are like me, and there's times in your life when you enter those waters of deep depression. There's a long list of reasons. I don't know why. I just know it's real. There are times in my life I'm afraid I'm going to fail as a father. I'm going to fail as your pastor. Then I'll get to the end of my life and have a long list of regrets of things I didn't do. I need Jesus to heal me. You need Jesus to heal you. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.